Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcasty person, and I'm joined as ever by my lovely co-host... Sam Ashurst, and I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I am very excited to talk about this Fortnite's film. Now Dan, what was it about Lords of Chaos, a film you worked on, that made you decide to pick it for your choice this uh, it was a fact that it's been in my back pocket for a while and uh, Arrow didn't have a copy of the disc of my first choice. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, no, I mean, obviously, I think it was an inevitable choice at some point uh, and I know we've gone on about it a bit, so hopefully we'll find something new to say about the film. Um, but yeah, it's a film I'm, I'm very proud to have been involved with and I'm pleased to say it's a film I still enjoyed, even on this, you know, nth watch yeah yeah well it was my first watch um because i basically i was going to watch it a while ago but then uh dan was very excited by the fact that i hadn't seen it yet um because he knows that i can get quite squeamish when it comes to basically uh i think are we gonna how spoilery are we gonna get on this i mean i think we can talk about things that may have been we can allude to things that have been covered in the press yeah particularly with regards to audience reaction yeah but we maybe shouldn't talk about who what happens to yeah i think that's that's good yeah yeah um because uh i I really 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 love this film so um i don't want to ruin it for anyone but obviously there has been talk of uh, particularly realistic wrist cuttings and wrist cuttings in any film to any standard really disturb me. I don't know why, but um, it's it's a. Uh, and I hope I'm not giving future stalkers uh, tips on how to destroy me. But um, but you still love Nightmare on Elm Street three the most of all the Nightmare films, and I, that's all about the wrist cutting. I do, yeah, but it it that doesn't mean it doesn't disturb me. And, no, and but what I mean is that like you like it, even though it disturbs you, you still you're gravitated towards it in a film. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say I would say that there are many many other elements to Nightmare on Elm Street three that that draw me to it like the syringe fingers that's just an iconic image that i absolutely love so i kind of put up with the wrist stuff in that and also that's my favorite scene no one has either thrown up or fainted uh at the bfi film festival as a result of uh, nightmare on elm street three dream warriors but that's almost certainly just because of their short-sightedness when it comes to programming (laughs) you hear that bfi (laughs) take that wow i had a beef with evolution of horror last week and now you're beefing (laughs) with london film festival do they do retrospective screenings at at lff uh yeah i think they do and uh on that note actually i should mention uh because i got a couple of messages after my attempt to start a beef with the evolution of horror um (laughs) It was a joke. It was meant playfully. A couple of messages. Um, Who else? Well, at least ten thousand messages. So um, I'm I'm so sorry to the the evolution of horror gang, and I will still be at your party next week. So um, we can uh, have it out over fisticuffs there. But uh, back to Lords of Chaos. Yeah. So I'd avoided watching it because of Dan's excitement, and then uh, because of the last minute nature of this choice we didn't end up watching it together anyway so um i watched it on my own and i'm glad that i didn't have dan sort of staring at me at certain moments yeah maybe if you um, i'm very glad you enjoyed it i think maybe i would have impacted that slightly if i'd been there so it's probably best you watched it without me yeah it's yeah it's it's an absolutely incredible film like it is so in my wheelhouse and like i've been a a fan of, of Jonas ackland for about 20 years but that was because of his music video work like I loved the back in the days when I just used to watch quite a lot of MTV and wanted to make music videos myself he was kind of one of my heroes recorded his uh, his videos when they came up onto VHS and watched them a lot you know the stuff he did for uh, Metallica Smashing Pumpkins um, I Love Country Girl the video he did for Primal Scream of course this was in the days before YouTube and you can go and watch those um, whenever you like now but back then we were kind of reliant on whenever they popped up on telly man yeah music videos and short films like music videos and cartoons like if you found a great one you really protected that yes I was uh, clearing some stuff out recently and I found a bunch of my old uh, like short film compilations short film music video compilations on VHS in the attic I've uh, recently had reason to put back together my trash humpers VHS rig yes 
for a job and it meant digging through trying to find tapes I could record onto mm. because it's really hard to buy blank VHS these days. Yes. But also because that process works better if you're recording over a um yeah. a bought film than uh, than a, a like a cheap like especially in the twilight of VHS, those like ten for five pounds from Argos, mm. like made out of the world's brickless plastic. Yes. VHS tapes were not good quality. But the if you if you can get yourself sort of like an early nineties sell through VHS, even better a rental sell through VHS. Oh, yes. Those things are sturdy. Yeah, absolutely. And um yeah, it, it's just everything about it really, the the sort of structure um I found quite invigorating. Uh, it's a very kind of it's definitely not been written using one of these film structure books like it's a little bit episodic in a way but in a way that I really liked because I was like oh okay we've hit this point already Um, because again I'd avoided much about the story Um, I kind of knew vague stuff but there were revelations in the film that I had no idea about which is part of why I want to protect people from spoilers because um, it is quite an amazing story but yeah the structure the grade I love the grade I think it looks beautiful yeah it's very very good looking like especially like the moments where um well, not especially, but one element that I liked was whenever photographs were taken and you'd freeze frame, and it just looked beautiful. Like, yeah, well, a lot of those photographs are recreations yes. of famous photographs that turned up in press or that surrounded the band. Um, and Jonas, I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's a particular vein running through the metal world that objected to this film and objected to the book that I was it was sort of based on. I was going to ask you about this, actually. Yeah, yeah so there's been up. a lot of kickback, and it's basically just a bunch of like grumpy twats being like, you're doing a thing wrong. It's not meant to be a documentary, you know? Uh, and in fact, if, in the interview on the disc, Jonah says it's not, they're not making the book. It, they, they bought the book because it was a way of clearing the people's names. But this uh, and and he says that actually maybe using the title of the book was a bit of a mistake because that book, the name of the book, is something of a poison chalice right. in that industry because so many people resent its depiction. But the thing is, no one's ever going to be happy with the depiction. The thing is, like some people are saying, it's not a, like it doesn't condemn the endemic fascism within that music scene enough. Some people are saying, like, yeah, like. Uh, there are still fans out there. Um, one of the band members is still alive, uh, one of the real people, and is a nasty right-wing piece of shit. Yeah, it's a guy who... who right. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that guy. That's why I was being like... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and so like he's still got fans, you know? Yeah. And so they're all like... Uh, and, like and this character... Uh, oh, fuck, it's a... It's a so it's a very gentle spoiler, but if you're really observant about avoiding them, skip fifteen seconds. The they the casting was fantastic because yep. they cast a Jewish actor I knew what you to were play say. him, yeah, yeah. and it's just fucking lovely. It must have really annoyed him. I think, to be honest, uh, the Gunpowder Sky might have hoped he would be a little bit more vocally condemning of the film, mm. <laughs> but you know. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I actually, um, after watching it, I went onto a, a site that compared the the kind of truth with the fiction and you'll actually be surprised by how much of this is true and there was you know there was a commitment to realism and to having that almost documentary feel I know it's not a documentary but he was committed to as you say you know recreating those photos but also the casting the fascinating casting of Jason Arnott um, yeah, as playing, Jason playing himself, um, and and there's a lovely interview with Jason, and and you know obviously uh, we know Jason, and he's he's a really lovely guy, um, like very very passionate obviously about VHS, and he has like a YouTube channel, so if if you're interested in him after watching the interview on this disc, then go seek that out, um, because it's a really really lovely interview with Jason, um, where you know. God knows what I'd be able to say. If someone asked me to describe an interview, even a memorable interview that I did even five years ago, I wouldn't be able to do it. For example, in my Facebook memories recently, it popped up that I'd interviewed Trent Reznor. Now, I love Trent Reznor. I love Nine Inch Nails. I'd completely forgotten that I'd ever spoken to him. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So that he was able to sort of remember the feelings he had while, um, you know having an, uh, a fairly important conversation with someone in the band. Um, 
you know, it, it's a great little interview, and he sort of talks about where the truth was bent a little bit. Yeah. And, well, um, I, I think one it's of kind the, of representative of the approach. I think. I think the argument about it not being truthful is based on the fact that it, a lot of it could only ever be based on accounts from, from people who are at best questionable Absolutely, sources. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's yeah. why it starts with based upon truth and lies. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, even if they made it, in, like, for a start, you go and ask 10 people who are there, they've all got different stories, and how do you add, like, how do you weigh up the validity of those different accounts? Hmm. But also, like... Um, you know, even if everyone agrees on it, there's still nothing to say that they're being completely truthful, especially when subject matter like this is at stake. Mm. The two things people are most likely to argue about are credit for the creation of art mm. and uh, blame for moral and social transgressions. Mm. So obviously there's going to be a lot of bullshit surrounding this. Yes. And that's the thing that the, the book fell foul of, was everyone saying, oh yeah, you've reported these things, but it's not, that's not true, that's not how it went down. People got very cross with the book. Right. And so the same people are, are being twats about the <laughs> but now, it doesn't pretend to be that, you know, like now, missing the point. Yeah, absolutely. And and there there are specific, you know, moments that I would love to ask you about uh on this podcast. However, they are massively spoilery. And you can do it in a, in a vague um, way. Well, no, because uh, the the useful thing is that people can just buy the disc because there's a lovely little interview with you on there <laughs> um where you go into detail about every sort of it was pretty much every question I had. Though I, you know, there is a cat that I want to ask about because um, there I do cover that when talking about a pig's I, head. Yes, you cover that, but is that applicable yeah. to? Oh my god! Yeah, that was upsetting. Oh my god! Um, so right, we're going to skirt over that, and instead, I'm going to ask you about. Um, holy fuck! That's really that's yeah. really shocked me. Um, but I will ask instead about not for production. I might. No, ask, no, of course. But, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Filming hungry. Yeah, yeah. Don't know how many people you have to ask before someone just volunteers. <laughs> Yes. Um, Let me tell you, do you want to hear my story about filming in India with the dead dog? Yes, but... <laughs> as a placeholder. As a placeholder, but no, I, in, instead of that, I would actually like to ask you about something that I'm sure people are interested in, but none really talks about, which is what it's like to film one of those talking head extras like <laughs> like who did it how was it set up and you know how long were you there you know that kind of um, thing um so james uh, from arrow came down uh, with his camera guy whose name i have embarrassingly forgotten but who did a lovely job and i sort of talked them through what i had uh i did i did mention it in the interview but and this isn't a criticism at all i think they did a fantastic job of, of yeah. tidying up the edit like of editing the the conversation so oh, it didn't right. rattle on uh, and there were a couple of things I probably shouldn't have said that they very politely took out for me. <laughs> but uh, one of the things I don't explain is that behind me, those are all the moulds for the different heads and stuff in the film. Cool. So, like, directly behind me, I'm not going to say who's who. <laughs> <laughs> if you've watched it and you want to know who's who, tweet me or something. But, but um, yeah, they're different characters who things happen to, mm -hmm. people we live cast, members of the cast that we live cast, their heads moulds are behind me in that That's sequence. Really cool. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, James made it really comfortable. Obviously, you know, with the podcast and teaching and, and talking on stage and stuff, I'm relatively calm about this stuff. But mm. it's always there's always that tiny bit of adrenaline at the top. Made it really comfortable. I didn't feel like I looked like a big idiot. So no, that's it's nice. Great. It's a lovely, um, lovely. And I'd piece. forgotten that I had hair back when we did that. <laughs> so that was quite shocking. Trip down memory lane. Yeah, it was uh, surprising for me too. And uh, let me be slightly vague about this, but um, uh, Rory Culkin uh, was life cast because he, he receives a kind of a, a minor injury at a point in the film. What uh, what was it like life casting him and working with him? Well, we did all of the because he's incredible in this. He's film. so good. Um, all of the life casts we did, uh, we did on the same day. The the casts were in England um, for a wig fitting because all of that long hair is wigs. Oh, cool! Um, Great wig work. Yeah, fuck me, they're amazing wig yeah. works. Yeah, really, really fucking good wigs. An so, amazing um, wig work. Una Bagley, our um, uh, uh, hair supervisor, mm. was in charge of all of that stuff. I mean, she was the makeup supervisor as well, but she was also, you know, often that split wasn't a massive film. She took care of all the wigs. Um, yeah, they did an amazing job. And we went for a fitting at one of the big London wig places ahead of the shoot. And that was when the cast were all in England. Mm. So me and my team went and did a satellite, like, life casting station. Mm. Um, the wig company gave us a, like a, a fitting room to do the life cast in. And we would do one of the cast while the others were being fitted and back and forth. Mm. And some of them have more than one wig that they wear during right. the shoot as well. And then there were backups and variant wigs. 
because of things that happen to people, we need like a ver- different version of a wig for something. So um, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting day, and obviously everyone time time was a bit tight and everything was rushed, but everyone was very very nice. And then when we got on set, um, like all of the cast was super super lovely. When we shot Jack's big scene, mm. Jack Kilmer's big scene, um, he was actually pretty sick at that time, and it was a night shoot. It was a really fucking long day, Mm-mm. but he was really sweet in the chair. He sat like really like patiently and was really friendly with everyone and really Mm-mm. nice about stuff. Um, yeah, just just a really positive experience with all of them. It was yeah, really nice. great, great. And uh, another thing that I loved about the film was the um, the score. Oh yeah, um, the soundtrack, obviously, but also the score. Um, it's a really interesting decision to go with Sigur Ross um, for the, the the music made for the film, because um, obviously the temptation would be to go wall to wall metal. Yeah, I mean, I must say, I, initially, I was when I heard that that's what they were doing, I was slightly surprised. But now, having seen the film several times I can't imagine it being anything different yeah. because the whole like one of the main things that the film is doing is talking about how a lot of this was artifice a lot of this was posturing and the, the people who did take it seriously were fucking wrong yeah like like, like the 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 worst insult in the film far worse than you know murderer or arsonist is poser poser yeah <laughs> um, exactly uh, and so to have the moments, and, and you know, it's a film about contrast. All of it is about like massive contrast between intent and reality. Like the the quiet and pretty landscape of Sweden. The mm. start of the film is like a sort of little, almost like Sweden and heaven and hell summary, even down to the mention of the suicide rates. Yeah, yeah. And this like sort of sleepy, like cold winter sun kissed land. Yeah. Um, and just about how, like, you know, these kids are pushing back against it because they've not really got anything to push back against. Yeah. So they've just chosen... Like, even when they're complaining about Christianity having a vice-like grip over the country, they talk about it being a dictatorship. They talk about, like, mm-hmm. how they're sick and tired of everyone being brainwashed into being nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. And, yeah, no, it really is... Um, like, the, the environment, the location is very beautifully shot. There's some really amazing cutaways. Like mm. I can two very very special shots, um, which I'm assuming they got as opposed to stock footage. No, I think it's all. I I I don't know if they're absolutely certain, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's all. Uh, it uh, felt it, it was all shot for. You yeah, know, it you, felt shot for. Yeah. Do you know to the extent that rather than using stock footage for the burning buildings? Yeah. Do you know about this? I think no, no. I think Jonas might have mentioned Jonas may have mentioned it on um, on the interview I did with him, but when. Uh, when it came to burning down the churches, the montage of burning churches, there wasn't enough money to build lots of church models and, like, you know, big models, bigotures, and then burn them down. Mm. But because it was um, a scot-free co-production... Yes. Um, and we yes, were shooting in yes, Hungary... Yes, yes, yes. Uh, a lot of what you see as burning churches is actually some of the sets from the Blade Runner sequel... Yes, I did know this, yeah. ...being yeah. burnt down because yeah. Scott was like, yeah, fuck it, just burn them. <laughs> we're picture lot, so you can do what you want. It's brilliant. And so a satellite unit was sent out to go and, uh, yeah, to go and burn down a load of sci-fi sets. And if they get on far enough, they look like they could be churches. <laughs> oh, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I, I bet you the one where, you know, a bit of wood kind of I rolls down. Shot. Yeah, 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 it's great. Um, and it's, I think it's really cool that uh, I know you have... Um, I don't know if I can say this. We can always cut this, but uh, mixed feelings about Ridley Scott's work. Yeah. Where is, that's, is that fair enough to say? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously he's done some incredible films. I'm, I, you, I may be being unfair because I've never heard him directly take credit for everything, but I feel that the way the film in the film watching world yes. views him as some kind of like astonishing, like like fucking auteurs like auteur theory is such shit he's been very very lucky to be surrounded by and paired up with some incredible people the one thing I will say in response to that yeah. and I'm not going to defend auteur theory but uh, I think it's more his taste he's got really good taste and in in terms of like design stuff and you know even in Prometheus it, it kind of all, all looked great um, right, Dan is uh, Dan's making a face here, so we're going to move on. But in fact, before I move on, I do want to say that I do think it's great that um, that Scott Free was part of this production. Oh yeah, like a true, you know, like almost like punk 
indie with loads of edgy elements. The fact that you know they handed over the the Blade Runner two set to, I think that's cool. Yeah, that was very very good, and I think that because it was a co production between Scott Free and Vice. Yes, and that's a weird cocktail, and I feel that this is exactly the film that you get from that cocktail. That's so true. Yeah, that's a really perfect description of it, and you know, part of why maybe I love it. I mean, it's as dark as it is in places, and. Uh, kind of uh, bleak I think I don't know I found it much like metal music so I, you know I love metal as well I find that music incredibly cathartic and I found weirdly this film incredibly cathartic it yeah. sort of tipped into a comfort film level for me I think like I do think this is one that I'm going to watch once a year it's going to fit into certain films I watch once a year that, that are kind of comfort films so yeah, that, which is kind of not what I was expecting from it at all. Well, it's interesting, and, and again, this is part of... It drew some criticism for this, but I feel that it's very matter-of-fact. Like, yeah. it's the it just sort of presents stuff to you rather than making massive judgment calls. And people, like, you know, as I mentioned before, people said that it wasn't... Uh, it didn't judge the fascism hard enough. Actually, I think it did. It's in like, there. The thing is... it. It ridicules the logic of fascism yes. and trivialises the logic of fascism. It never trivialises the results or actions of fascism. Yeah. So there's a bit where one of the characters is being interviewed, and uh, he's you know he talks about um, fascism. He talks about uh, Satanism. He talks about the old gods of the of the of Northeast Europe, and the interviewer is like, "So you're a Satanist." He's like, yeah. And he goes, and uh, you worship Odin? <laughs> and he's like, uh. And he goes, and presumably pointing to a big swastika on the wall, you are a Nazi? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And he goes, that's a very broad belief system. <laughs> and, yet, and then when they're leaving at the end of that scene, he's just like, fucking idiot. And Yeah, exactly. And there is a moment, um, early-ish, where... One character says to another that they're vegetarian, and the other character's like, "Oh, like Hitler." And, and he they're... lights up his yeah. face. He's like, "Yes, exactly like and, Hitler." And the other guy's a bit like, eh, "Okay." Um, <laughs> so it's definitely in there. It's just not, you know, spoon-fed. This was the first time there's a when you, there's a. I wouldn't have shot. loved it that much if I thought that. No, it was, God, no. You know. no, 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 no. But but that's what I mean. But and you wouldn't have worked on it, presumably. No. <laughs> but the uh, that uh, there's a shot. Uh, there's a wide shot in that character's flat, which is quite sparse. Mm. And this, despite it not being the biggest screen I've seen it on by some margin, uh, it was the first time I noticed that through a window in the background on a wall is a, a picture of Hitler. Oh, wow. Um, for that character. And that's one of the first, like, main acknowledgements of that. Like, right. And then later on, there's the massive swastika flag. Yes, yes, I think I spotted the same thing, but we can count that as a thank you Blu-ray moment for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, well, we should probably wrap this up because uh, we don't want to fall into spoiler territory, but it's pretty clear that... Um, you know, if you like the kind of things we like, you will love this film. And even if you just like Dan, you get <laughs> 15 minutes with him talking in great depth about how he does his job. And it is very, very interesting. So, uh, you know, it's one of several very, very good interviews on this disc. So it is so worth buying if you don't have Lords of Chaos. Um, a high recommendation from both of us. And speaking of recommendations... What have you got based on this film? Well, my first one's a little obvious, um, but I figured that it hopefully it's obvious enough that you've discounted it, so you're <laughs> not going to have it as one of yours. But when I first got sent the script uh, for this, before I first talked to Jonas, I revisited uh, his 2002 debut, Spun, which is kind of the opposite of Lords of Chaos. Yes. Um, and is was a more obvious... It, it's interesting because they're both separately parts of Jonas those two films kind of make up Jonas in the same way that Scott Free and Vice make up Lords of Chaos mm. Spun and Lords of Chaos make up Jonas he's I mean you know he was an editor before he was a director he's got quite a frantic style in a lot of his music videos um, a lot of like very stylized stuff very fast cut um, Spun for those of you who haven't seen it is a star studded or like cult star studded um, film about methamphetamine and the very, very fucking bad choices people make while on methamphetamine. And to some extent, that aligns it with Lords of Chaos, because Lords of Chaos is about the stupid decisions people make when they're young, when they're hungry for recognition and fame. 
Yeah, Spun, I, I actually found it a much more difficult watch going back to it, and I think that there are some elements of it that haven't aged particularly well, so yeah. do be a little warned going into it. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually remember that stuff, but obviously Jonas is, you know, he, he always trod that line. With, provocateur. Exactly. Um, but I actually hated Spun first time around because I... I felt that and I'm the, the only reason I'm saying this I wouldn't normally yeah. you know I'm not criticizing your, your recommendation I'm just saying it because just in case people think you know it, for me Lords of Chaos it builds on the promise of those music videos in a different way in the it's kind of the way it's kind of segmented and, and stylized feels kind of representative in a different way to spun, which, as you say, used those editing techniques, and I actually found that stuff a little bit annoying when I watched it first time around. I was so disappointed in spun, but again, I, I loved his music video work, so I think I had super high expectations going. Have you, into have it. you seen it again recently? I haven't. No. I'd say it's worth revisiting. Okay. And one of the things that's interesting about it is it's one of those. It's I mean, it's a drugs movie. Yeah. It's a, it's a meth movie. I've never done methamphetamine, but uh, I have it on good authority that it is that watching it is the filming equivalent of being on meth. Oh right, okay. And that that's that, makes it more interesting. That was kind of the that was the whole attitude on set. Like hearing uh, Jonas talk about it, he was very strict about the fact that none of his cast were actually doing meth yeah. while they were filming it. Uh, I mean, it's the the cast is like Jason Schwartzman, quite young Jason Schwartzman, Mickey Rourke when he was in yeah. his fallow period. Mina Savari. Uh, a, a, is Mina Savari in it? A young Britney Murphy. Oh, maybe yeah, I'm it. confusing. Uh, and at the time, I think I only knew Britney Murphy from uh, from Drive. The, yes. The the um, Phil Wang, Mark Dacascus, Bakim Hardison masterpiece <laughs> um, much better than the other drive <laughs> they're both good both good films not a lot of driving in either of them <laughs> uh, yeah I think I've actually recommended it before but if I haven't drive go watch drive um, but yeah like, I really um, yeah I, I really got into Spun when I first saw it and I liked that kind of like absolutely relentless like you know one of those like quick like slap cut moments in a uh, in an Edgar Wright picture where like yeah. yeah like it's like tap on pill in mouth yep yep t- toothbrush underwater like chop 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 yeah, really yeah. like staccato sound editing yeah the whole fucking film is that like it's just one massive horrible twitchy montage yes I think that's why it did my head in but I mean I I like it when Edgar does it but it's used sparingly it's very sparingly yeah. yeah no that is all it is. Well, uh, I, I like I say, I can't stand by that recommendation, no, but you fine. know, I'm glad you've made it, and you can argue with my first recommendation. In fact, there's one of my recommendations you can definitely argue with, and maybe not necessarily this one, but uh, the fan, uh, the fan from oh wow, 1982, yeah. Yeah, 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 which again, like, it's a very kind of, it's another kind of band music movie, um, but from a, a slightly unusual perspective. Oh, it's a wonderful film, and and it's pop as opposed to metal but yeah it, it's basically a, a, about a, a young girl who who is obsessed with her favorite pop singer and um she kind of makes moves to um to to get involved in his life oh. it's kind of a, a slow burn film um but i think there's a crossover in the third act that that's kind of interesting um yeah yeah i can see that I, like i i think it was it was one of my watched recently recommendations when like a like a, maybe a year or so ago right. when i think it's mondo macabro put it out on blu-ray yes, in the yes. states really lovely disc and it definitely, yeah, I definitely see what you're saying about the the third act. And um, I, I think even if you recently watched Joker and liked Joker, you probably I like. I haven't seen Joker yet. Der fan. Um, Have you seen Samska, the Zulowski picture? No. There's a. I think there's a there's a, a good connectivity between Der fan and uh, Samska. Nice. You'd like that. Well, there we go. Lots of recommendations. But yeah, that that's it for me. What what's the next one from you? SLC Punk. Ah, nice. From 1998. Directed by James Merendino, who I don't think's really done very much else as a director. I looked through his IMDb and didn't recognise... Like, you know, there's a couple of things. Um, he did write some of the appalling witchcraft movies, if you've ever seen them. Yeah, yeah. I worked on Witchcraft 10. <laughs> oh, no one, way. One of my first pictures. I went and did a couple of days on it as a like a blood splatterer and helping Eileen Daly with her big false nails. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, SLC Punk's uh, like another fun... and. I think kind of underseen uh, music picture. It's not uh, it's not based on anything uh, like true events, but it's got a a post screen but still relatively early career Matthew Lillard uh, playing a, a kid getting into punk in an area of America that doesn't really have a scene for it, 
uh, finding like-minded people and, and getting into all sorts of scrapes. And it's got a fantastic bit where a guy tries to explain what a laser disc is to them. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, um, that's, uh, that's a really kind of great... Yeah, a, a great recommendation. And weirdly, that goes perfectly with my next recommendation. Um, well, it's that, yeah, it's that whole thing about a music scene coming from a place that doesn't feel like it would bear that. Yes. Um, and struggling to find its home within it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's really good. So, yeah, um, my next recommendation is uh, The Decline of Western Civilization from 1981. Uh, the first part of this, uh, I think it's three documentaries that Penelope Spirius made. Uh, the first one isn't about metal, the second one is The Metal Years. That's not the one I'm recommending because I think it kind of jumped the shark a little bit and it is a little bit kind of, much like some of the bands it's covering, a little bit silly and ridiculous but the first instalment from 1981 about the LA punk scene is astonishing. Um, one of my favourite all-time documentaries and I double-checked our Arrow um, letterbox list to make sure that I hadn't recommended it this before because I love it so much um, but miraculously I haven't and um, yeah it's Black Flag, Circle Jerks, Fear, Germs, X and it's talking to the bands, it's showing them perform, it's showing them at home so talking to them like in their own environment which is a really interesting way of doing it and also talking to the fans from the sea and you get the history of kind of the clashes with police and all that kind of stuff so um it almost feels like a, a fiction film um and i kind of would love to see a lords of chaos style film made within this world but um yeah one of my favorite all-time documentaries the decline of western civilization from 1981 i recommend it uh, that's it that's it well it's not it we've got what we've watched that's recently bye thanks bye <laughs> yeah no that's it for that section and we now move on to what we've seen in the past couple of weeks Dan what have you seen so the standouts it's been a good it's been a good couple of weeks uh, I've seen some great stuff the one that springs to mind is um, I think it's Vinegar Syndrome maybe put out a Blu-ray of The Corruption of Chris Miller it's a 73 Sort of, I mean, it's not a giallo. It's sort of a giallo. It's sort of a murder mystery. It's a really... I don't know why it's sort of forgotten about. I was... It was on a pile of recent acquisitions on uh, Karim Hussain's, like, kitchen table uh, when we were working on Possessor, uh, and I went round to watch a, pic, uh, a couple of films with him, and it, it didn't make the cut. Like, it wasn't the one we watched... But it played in my mind a little bit. And then after seeing some of the Vinegar Syndrome guys at Overlook, I, I picked up some stuff and uh, only got around to watching it recently. It's really, really good. It starts with a very weird uh, murder set piece that has one element to it that doesn't quite work and set like stands to make it very confusing. Um, and then the rest of the picture has like a sort of guy turning up in a rainstorm at this like little... like isolated country like stately home getting in with the family the mother the daughter like he's kind of like sleeping with both of them without either of them knowing that he's doing that uh and all the while there's this sort of murder mystery stuff going on in the background it's got a fucking amazing ending it's got two great endings only marginally different because there's a there's an additional ending on there and then there's a um it stars gene seberg uh, and there's a nice little documentary about her and like the tragedy um, nice. at the end of her life as well. Some really interesting stuff that I didn't know about. Um, but yeah, it's a really good lyrical, slightly gentle American thriller. I guess it could be argued to be an erotic thriller, but it isn't really. <laughs> uh, it's just got a lot of like pretty people half like slightly undressed for a lot of it. But it um, it doesn't keep on stopping the plot for sex scenes, which is good. That actually reminds me. Uh, so after I watched Lords of Chaos, uh, literally just as the credits started rolling, um, my lead actress on my next film, uh, the second film, a little more flesh that I'm sort of still finishing off, she messaged me to say that she was watching. Jean Roland's Fascination. Lovely. And uh, um, it reminded her of our film, the film that we just made, and I got very, very excited because it is a, a, a direct influence. Um, and in fact, 
Um, regular listeners to this podcast will have heard me mention Jean Roland as uh, an influence on A Little More Flesh and so it was very exciting to have someone because Elf, she watches a lot of stuff but um, she's only recently started delving into kind of the more cult side of things um, like deep diving into that kind of stuff and um, yeah, it was very gratifying to get that message so anyway, you just reminded me of that because uh, erotic thriller <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, it does it has airs of Roland in it at times uh i think it's a little more um well, i don't know maybe it isn't a little more plot based <laughs> um I, I i some of it i definitely liked in the same way that i like Roland's stuff great um but oh, well, yeah that, i really do strongly recommend it that that yeah it's it's, it's it is much more american than Roland's stuff though like it, it does feel more like an american film right Oh, I mean, I will definitely check it out on that recommendation. Uh, now, I have two box sets to recommend this week, so but I will pick a film out of them, so don't worry. Um, Dan, I'm not going to go on about all of them. But I watched uh, the Sam Fuller at Fox box set that oh, Masters of Cinema are putting out on the 28th of October. I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy of that. And obviously the whole set is great but it was really lovely revisiting 40 guns um which so is good. one of my all-time favorites of fuller and it's a really lovely um uh, kind of restoration and um yeah it, it's got a really nice uh, audio interview um with fuller that you can watch while listen to while watching the film more great titles on there. I won't go into all of them, but um, Pick Up on South Street is another one of mm. my favourite um, Fuller movies. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I very much recommend that entire box set. But start with 40 Guns, especially if, like me, you love westerns. Like, from the opening shot and the kind of opening sequence, it's like, oh, my God, I'm in such good hands here. It's, oh, it's such a good film. Yeah, um, is, it the, uh, is it just the same disc I that think, they've released separately? I think it is, yeah. Okay. I, I think it's um, it's the previous ones, I think, with maybe one or two new ones on there. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not actually sure. But I've, got, I've already got um, Pick Up on South Street and I've already got 40 Guns. But yeah. Just in case there's anyone out there who, who kind of wants a, a bargain way of getting those movies and a, a couple more then um yeah i, I recommend it yeah. uh on there's the 28th a, there's a lovely it's dvd only not blu-ray but there's a lovely criteria you know what's the thing criterion does criterion eclipse there's a lovely fuller oh yeah criterion eclipse yeah, set yeah. as well as some of his early stuff yeah um in fact is that not is it was it, it was a sam fuller picture we watched the one about the guys stuck in the in the snowy cave yeah it was the, was that on the eclipse set i think it was yeah, yeah that's so good I can't remember oh no no i think that might have been mine i can't remember I can't remember. So that. there's another there's another <laughs> Sam Fuller film as well that you should watch, but we can't remember which one it is. <laughs> yeah, and the crazy yeah God, uh, Dan and I used to watch quite a lot of films together when we lived together, and weirdly that takes me back to when I first heard about Lords of Chaos because it was such a long time ago. We were still living together. Yeah, we? yeah, long, long time. It took a long time to to get it together, but um, yeah. Anyway, uh, what is your next recommendation? So Sam, I know we talked about watching this together. <laughs> <laughs> right, but uh, just like Lords of Ca just like Lords of Chaos, but uh, I have a picture, a Korean picture that I'm doing next year, mm -hmm. um, and the director has referred to this film uh, a few times. So I uh, am afraid I went ahead and watched a screener link that I had been provided with. So I got to see Parasite. Outrageous. Um, and I know that you're going to hold me to task for including it in my best films of 2019 when it doesn't technically come out in England until February. Yeah. <laughs> but I saw it this year. Yeah, I That's how I do it. Here's the problem, though, Dan. I don't think it's screened anywhere in the UK. Not even, like, no press Did screenings. Didn't play LFF. It didn't play LFF. <laughs> so you definitely can't have that. You can't. I'm sorry. But the Americans I... can. <sighs> it's played there. You can't have it. No, no one in the UK can have seen it. That surely can't be in a best of UK. Well, I mean, they definitely, some of them have. Well, like some people have seen it. Just I'm... not very many people. Yeah, and well. it's you know, and then it's coming up, isn't it? Like the the best of the year will play in January, and then the film comes out in February. That's not that's good timing. That works. Now, better I... than recommending something I saw in February. Now let's let's make sure <laughs> let's make sure we don't confuse the the dear sweet precious arrowheads who are now in despair that we're not doing our annual tradition of releasing our best of the year on Christmas Eve, not oh, in January. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, tell us about and Parasite. Anyway, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Because thankfully, um, 
the the people I know who've seen it, friends in the states, people who saw it at Cannes, have all been very guarded uh, about its content. Good, and uh, and that is very much uh, the way it should be. I like to be honest. I would say try not to look at the poster. <laughs> Certainly, as the press train starts gearing up. Yeah. Don't read interviews. Don't watch trailers. Don't oh, don't read reviews. Just see it at the earliest available opportunity, yeah. knowing as little as possible, and go and see it at a cinema where they will have reverence for it, and no one will talk because it is unfucking believably good. Picture House is kind of good for that. Um, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like any any proper cinema, any like austere cinema. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's absolutely Weirdly, wonderful. I got into a. Uh, I, I don't think this counts as a Facebook beef because actually, everyone ignored my contribution to it. But basically, I saw uh, an unnamed actress um, saying how much she hates going to the cinema and how she prefers to watch stuff on streaming and on DVD. And I know this is the Arrow Video podcast, and obviously I support physical releases. I collect Blu-rays, well, obviously. <laughs> streaming can go fuck itself, but um, <laughs> Blu-rays... Except Arrow's upcoming streaming <laughs> platform. <laughs> Which I will be the first to subscribe to. No, I just... It absolutely baffled me. It was it was like someone... It's like a, a manager at KFC doing a Facebook, Facebook post saying, God... Fuck chicken. I really hate chicken. I really love burgers. I just want to eat burgers all day long. I mean, obviously there are jobs in streaming and, and, and direct-to-DVD stuff, but surely everyone's ambition is to, to see yourself on the big screen, in the cinema, in the company of strangers. So why are we din- uh, diminishing the cinematic experience? I think the, the, the problem is... I don't know what the fucking problem is. No one knows what the problem is. That's why it's all dying. Um... <laughs> I, I sympathise to some extent if all you have near you is a multiplex and yeah. all it's showing is like two Marvel films, a Disney film, you know, the, like a couple of tentpole blockbusters yeah. and, and kids talk through it and people throw popcorn. To be fair, that's not was... a fucking good experience. No, and you're right. You, and, and if you're an unnamed actress and you can afford a home cinema, you've got Dolby Atmos at home, you've got a big fucking projector, maybe, yeah. then yeah, I totally get why you'd rather be at home watching like a, like a 4K remaster of your favourite classic than going down the, you know, the, the local... Odeon like two screen local multiplex being harangued by you know half term bellends I I think maybe you're right this does sound a lot like her complaints and now I think about it I do think that she lives somewhere I think maybe my comment was slightly unhelpful because I'm like go to the Prince Charles cinema go to a picture house (laughs) I live on the Isle of Wight you prick yeah exactly so uh, I'm sorry unnamed actress Dan Dan has convinced me that I was wrong (laughs) Well, but but also I don't think you're wrong. Also, like I I get the the problem is that it's harder and harder to find these things. That like I was uh, I was walking around a relatively like mainstream shop today, thinking it's not going to be long before this shuts down. Like I think of you know it's pretty busy. I see people around, but I know the company's been closing branches. Yeah, like it's a because it's not just lowest common denominator garbage. Yeah. <laughs> when Jen and I when when we did. ABCs of Death 1 for Ben Wheatley's section for that. We shot that down in the woods in Brighton, did a night shoot, and then we got to, we stayed in a hotel in Brighton afterwards. And the next morning, rather than coming straight back up to London, Jen and I spent the day sort of like tooling around Brighton and, and like, you know, just seeing things. And we thought, we'll go to the cinema, we'll sort of check something. And we went to see, I don't remember what it was called, I was, it was not a good film, but it was like surprisingly fun for not a good film. It was a sci-fi from a few years back about like invisible aliens... Uh, I think they're like affected by electricity, or electricity can make them visible, or okay. it, it was deeply fucking silly, but it was quite fun. Um, but we went to see it in a like a, a Brighton multiplex cinema, and it, we, unbeknownst to us as not parents, uh, it was, <laughs> oh, and the no. whole fucking place was full of hooting fucking lunatic children with glowing glow sticks and popcorn bought purely as a projectile. And at the, we, Jen and I sort of sat a bit, like, confused. We were day drinking. A bit confused as to, like, how this was allowed to happen. Mm. And it, it wasn't the worst way to watch that film, you know? Like, when I watched that Wachowski siblings, 
uh, Jupiter Ascending or Jupiter Rising. Yeah, 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 yeah. I watched that at the Peckham Plex, and yeah. there was a lot of hooting and shouting during yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's a film we watched together. Not Parasite, but that's that bloody kind of, film. <laughs> but that, that, but that's kind of the atmosphere in which you want to see a film like that. Like you yeah. want a Midnight Madness kind of attitude. Um, but after that one in Brighton, I went to one of the people at the concession stand, and I was like. Do you know what it's like in there? Like, what the fuck is going on? And the guy pointed to a security monitor that was like a night vision camera in the screen we just left. Yeah. And you could just see the fucking carnage that those kids had left behind. And he's like, half term, I'm not going in there, mate, get torn apart. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I get, like, you know, and granted, so I went to the, the same screen that we saw Jupiter Rising. Was it Jupiter Rising? Jupiter Ascending? Ascend- ascending. Jupiter Ascending. The f- same screen we saw that in. I went to like a sort of 3.30, 4.30 in the afternoon screening of Peter Lou there. Oh, yeah. And it was surprisingly full, like really full. Mm. But when we got there, it was, I think, like the new Fifty Shades film had just opened the same week or something like that. Or like the one of the spin-off Potter films, something big. And there was a queue out the fucking door for it. We almost didn't get in because they just didn't have enough staff to deal with all of the people that wanted to go and see this, you know... Pap, <laughs> Fifty Shades Pap, um, and it was really nice to see this like small British, slightly more art housey film yeah. sold out. But fuck, it must be really hard if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you've got one cinema and it's got four screens. They're, obviously, they're just going to show the big Look, shit. Man, I just I operate a, a zero tolerance policy on this stuff. Like I, I've got a very vivid memory of taking my little brother to see a film, and obviously it wasn't the best film in the world, but. Um, some young people started talking a few rows in the front and I let it go the first time and then after it started up the second time I stood up and shouted excuse me I'm trying to watch the mummy returns <laughs> and um and they did they did quiet down possibly because I seemed a bit unstable unstable yeah so uh, good well shall I do my next recommendation <laughs> is that enough on Parasite yeah we're good <laughs> very very good go and see it when you can next year now uh, my next box set of the past couple of weeks is uh, I'm very lucky to have received uh, an advance uh, copy of this I'm starting to do more uh, review stuff again so I will be getting access to early DVDs and all that kind of business uh, but I got the Hammer Volume 4 Indicator oh, box set and Dan you are definitely going to want to get this because it has not one but two of your recommendations Ooh, from recent what we got ones on it? so we've got Taste of Fear yes please um, which, which is the one I'm kind of recommending even though Dan's recommended it before um, actually there's another one on here I'll recommend uh, The Damned lovely um, and obviously all of these wow have, have that's the, great the usual extras yeah. and all the rest of it uh, there's a lovely um, really nice documentary on Taste of Fear very specific I'm angry that I've seen that them film. both recently on, on Garbage Not HD there you go we've also got Curse of Frankenstein and a recommendation I will make which is uh, The Two Faces of Dr. Jekyll which Sam Ashurst fans will recognise because uh, several years ago I put it on a list of 50 movies you've never seen I did this list when I was at Total Film way before um, I'd even spoken to anyone at Arrow. That's not true. I've always been friends with Mike. But yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a lovely little gem, uh, really special film, but the, the whole box set is worth getting. And that, rec- that uh, list of 50 films uh, you've probably never seen or whatever it was called, if you can't find it on Total Film or Games Radar, and I don't recommend you do because they don't give me any work, um, there's some lovely <laughs> some lovely person has done a letterbox list of those films that oh, i put awesome. onto that thing tweet and, it and actually weirdly um i will tweet it around the time that that list was published um someone got in touch with me because they'd um been to like a this cool kind of like video shop in the states not video dvd but anyway and someone who worked there had done a display featuring all the films I'd recommended that they had in stock. Amazing. Yeah, so uh, I have always been recommending films, dear sweet precious Arrowhead, um, but now that's, you, that's you just get them. Part of the fun of watching films is sharing exactly. them with people. Yeah, that's the, Being it's able my, to recommend something to someone. It's my, my life's passion, and, and it, it, part of the appeal of actually getting into filmmaking and directing stuff myself is that it's kind of like the next level of recommending. Like, here's exactly my taste because I made it. 
But anyway, enough waffle. We've been, waffled for long enough. It's been really nice. Uh, like, we asked last time if people, like, you know, how much of this stuff that we talk about oh, do you yeah. actually go out and watch? And uh, and have you found any favourites? And I've had some really nice messages back from people saying, like, you know, what they've found from it. Peter Strickland's a name that came up quite a lot. Like, yeah. I go on about Peter's stuff a fair bit. And um, and I think we've had a couple of people sort of discover him completely because of this, which is yeah. You're nice. you're a massive Peter Strickland fan. Oh, he's great. Um, I'm and very yeah, excited about his next thing. And we also someone said that they wouldn't watch The Swimmer if it wasn't for the podcast, and that's yeah. actually a film that I went to with Mike and well Dan and Mike. Yeah, yeah, um, we went to like, the BFI together, didn't we? Yeah, that was um, great. So that was a rare outing for all the people who make this podcast. We should do more of that. We should, we should, but uh, it's going to be slightly in the, more in the next week. <laughs> complicated because, uh, dear sweet Arrowhead, I'm moving. So this is the last face to face for a while. Um, yeah, for a little while. But but we will will be back to doing them at, at some point, I'm sure. Uh, right, shall we go into extra features? Extra features. Extra features. Extra features. I think we have any no extra fucking features. nothing. <laughs> no, okay. We've got a reversible cover and animated menus. Yes, but oh, that old joke. But we will uh, we'll be back with uh, more extra features and more you know nonsense in a couple of weeks. And uh, should you wish to pre-order an American Werewolf in London, I believe that will be my choice next time. Yes, so, yes. Um, I think we probably will get into spoilers on that one because uh, hopefully most people have seen it. And if you haven't, then um, pre-order the disc. And, uh, will, it, will it be out by the time the next know. one goes up? I don't Do know. So, on that. so slight lack I, of logic. I, 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 fuck. It's either fuck. on the day or or close to it. But okay. Um, well, so here's the thing: if somehow you haven't seen American Wealth in London but you do plan to listen to our podcast about it before you watch it. I, like who am I talking to? Surely no. no, no one's here's, what to here's what you do. Just, here's what you do. Here's what you do. Just watch it first. Exactly. Here's what you do. You don't. Listen to this podcast on the day it goes up. You wait until your pre-order falls through the letterbox and then you watch it. Um, immediately. Immediately, because we are going to go into spoilers. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I don't think... I think this is the first time a podcaster has ever said don't listen to the next episode, but... Um, I'm sure. Do listen There's a to lot it. of podcasts. Do listen to it. Are there? <laughs> oh, I should check them out. Right. Like more than seven. Let's uh, let's finish this with our social media. Dan, what are you? Where are you? At- How can I follow you? Just in the dark, just stick to the shadows. I don't look behind me much. <laughs> that's it. And pig's no, pig knows me, so pig won't bark. That's fine. Yeah, good. He'll run up to you saying hello. Oh, yeah, Have you got any point. snacks? Damn it. I, oh, we're getting another dog. Pig's getting a brother. Yes. I can announce that. <laughs> that's I the big announcement. I think you just did. So that's why you can follow me on Twitter because there will be photographs of uh, pig's brother. <laughs> At 13fingerfx uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. Yeah, uh, yeah, mostly dog pictures coming. I think I am at Sam Ashurst, the number two, the number three. So at Sam Ashurst twenty three on Instagram. I recently put up a picture comparing myself to Stanley Kubrick, uh, and I am on Twitter at Sam Ashurst, which is just my name. Uh, I don't really do Twitter as much anymore. I've taken it off my phone, but um, follow me there if you want. <laughs> Uh, cool. I'm sure I'll ramp it up closer to the release of uh, the film, but I'm trying to stay focused on sound editing and all that kind of business at the moment. But anyway, uh, this is enough rambling for a lot of rambling for one fortnight. <laughs> yeah, um, I think we're both a little bit tired, but thank you, you, so much for listening, and we promise to be more professional next time. Yep. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.